0: Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co host. Daniel, good to see you today. Good morning, Dr. Paul Harry, this morning. I'm doing a lot better than the marketplace. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> the market's sure. hurting. And yeah. I'm going to make a couple of comments on there because uh, that's one of the things I do when I wake up. I look for news and I look for the news related to the marketplace. In yeah, sure. today's, uh, if you're looking for entertainment, uh, there's a lot of entertainment, but if you're losing a lot of money, it's <laughs> not so much entertainment. But, uh, you know, I, I ask a very good friend who is a very good economist and a very good uh, libertarian, uh and a gold bug i said what's the first thing you look at when you wake up in the morning this is the gold price (laughs) and you know i have to confess that's pretty much on top of my list of what's gold doing but i try to avoid saying what's the gold price i want to say what is the dollar doing and the dollar in relationship to gold dollars way down even though if you look at the index on 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 the dollar you know, the uh, it's not changing much. Uh, the uh, all the other currencies are just sort of standing still. But when you're measured it by the precious metals, all of a sudden there's some serious things going on there. Stocks, uh, you, know, uh, you know, are responding to to the news. And th- th- today, uh, the, the Dow is probably close to 600, uh, down 600 points, uh, which is scared people. Now, the thing, the news that scared people was. A shift in attitude, just like this, because we've heard for weeks and months, you know, uh, full employment, two and a half, three percent unemployment, and uh, we can't find workers. Today, it's just like a switch. They turn it on, and they're now there. Uh, all of a sudden, they found out that. A lot of people aren't quitting their jobs and more people are looking, looking for things which uh, just changed attitudes and changed the market. Uh, So it was a it was it was some of those numbers were just unbelievable about, you know, there was nobody out of work and everybody, it, it, it was, uh, I think they fudged the numbers and made it look better than it really was. And that helped keep the stock market up because I believe that almost everything the Fed, uh, Fed does is to keep the stock market up and gold down. And uh, they have been able to do that because gold is symbolic of of something really going wrong. And at times they lose control. I would think today that uh, they're nervous about the vote that gold is putting out there on what what to to expect. Uh, But, uh, you know, gold right now is uh, firmly over two thousand dollars. It's been up and down and up and down over two thousand for a long time but today it seems to be solid, so that might be an indication that if it's solidly over 2,000, there's going to be a lot more people coming in, and those central banks who are accumulating gold uh, will say, hey, we better get a little bit more gold at 2,000, rather than if the market, which we have to respect, they could drive it up much more if they're in the business of accumulating uh, gold. But the markets are really rocking right now, and there's going to be a lot of money lost, and... uh and those who understand Austrian economics are always wondering if there will ever be, and if there will be, when, and that is the crack-up boom, where people get really nervous. I mean, we, we have recessions coming, though, we have depressions, but the crack-up boom is what happens in, in countries like Venezuela and Zimbabwe, where people just don't want to cash anymore. I don't think we're on the verge of that, but the conditions are set where that could happen, and that's why people are offering nervous about it and and starting to look to alternatives so it's a rough uh, situation and i think the number one cause that the of this uh, of this instability is the fact that we're working worldwide like we never had before with a cent with a uh, a international reserve standard and there's no definition to it, no definition to the money. So you can't, you can't build a sound economy if there's no definition of the unit of account. So all these measurements uh, you, you know, are fake. They fake, uh, fake the uh, uh, interest rates and that misleads people. So it's been a gross distortion. So I'm not a bit surprised that all of a sudden unemployment rates are 2.3 or 3% and then all of a sudden they start skyrocketing on people panic because there's a lot of deception out there and uh, did you know Daniel that governments will deceive the people <laughs> and sometimes they even deceive the people on foreign policy <laughs> so well we need to get away for the moment on the markets even though everybody's involved in the markets and uh, I understand we have a couple subjects today to go over well it's appropriate that you mention
1: deception because that might be a little bit too strong of a word But you remember back when kevin mccarthy was struggling to become speaker of the house i forget how many votes there were but there were plenty of votes he couldn't quite squeak through couldn't squeak through he finally squeaked through but while he was struggling remember he played the tough guy he said we will have no more blank check for ukraine we're not going to keep flushing this money down the toilet we're going to stand up strong and it really sent a strong signal and it may well have put him over the edge And we have our friend Kelly Vlahos, who we've known for a long time. We can put this first clip up to thank for letting us know the unhappy news that he is changing his tune a little bit. (laughs) Um, And Kelly writes in Responsible Statecraft that Speaker McCarthy drops, quote, blank check for full support of Ukraine aid. Uh, He took a little trip over to Israel, and I guess he was feeling his oats over there because he started being more of a tough guy again. Let's put this uh, next one up. Here's what he said, here's what he's saying now, after he originally was cautious. I vote for aid for Ukraine. I support aid for Ukraine, he said, responding to a question from a Russian reporter. Uh, So that is definitely walking it back, and if you go back, I will remind everyone what he did say. And he was actually very accurate, Dr. Paul, and it goes with what you started in the opening segment on the market update. If you can go to the next one, uh, he says... Uh, Kelly writes, this is a bit of a tone shift for the Republican leader, at least since October when his party was embroiled in a tight race for dominance in the elections and inflation was the hot topic. Now, here's what he said back then. I think people are going to be sitting in a recession and they're not going to write a blank check to Ukraine. They just won't do it. It's not a free blank check. So it seems like he was right at the time. I don't know. How did he change his tune, do you think?
0: Well, I think he's confused a bit. And I think he is just like people get confused about the unit of account and we don't have one, they, they do dumb things. But when you have an interventionist foreign policy and you're very powerful, and you have a central bank that can print as much money as they want, you're going to make uh, many mistakes and you're gonna overextend. And that's, it's been history all the way back to Roman days. That's how the Roman empire came down. They overextended their foreign adventurism. And uh, I think it's interesting, and you've already brought it up, the similarity this this thing this morning was a big sudden shift in attitude. From uh, we have too many workers, we're uh, and nobody uh, we're, we're, we're t- t- we don't have enough workers, and we're looking for them. And all of a sudden now now there's a shortage of workers, and it happened so bad, fast. But I think intervention it leads to this, and uh, I think that uh, when you get politicians in it, even the foreign policy is up and down, and it's not said you know we're non-interventionist and we're not good. People say it, but we're not going to go and we're not going to tell other people what to do. And uh, and I think what happens is the leadership who might be talking about policy and they have to say one thing over here and one thing over here. That's one thing that made me very comfortable and I didn't have to keep notes. What did I say to that? Yeah, group? yeah exactly. What did yeah. I say to this? Group? <laughs> what did I promise and, them? <laughs> and, you know, well, I think uh, people 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 want the truth even, yeah. even if the truth is a little harsh you know uh, I think ultimately except when it nibbles away their income check from the government then all of a sudden you have some competition
1: <laughs> yeah for sure well this you know this is we didn't pick this one to pick on McCarthy necessarily but what I think it says is a few things first of all It says the fact that when he was in a struggle for that position, when they were a struggle for taking over the House, he knew where Republican voters were. He knew they didn't have a taste for endless war spending, and that's why he mouthed those words. Sadly now, it shows that even though he knows it, he doesn't care much about where they are, but I think this kind of reversion to mean uh, after this is kind of a symbol of what the old guard is doing, the old line Republicans, and that's what I think McCarthy represents here. And I think that I hate to be too optimistic, but I think that might be coming to an end. And I think he might be developing a tin ear when it comes to his own rank and file. And in fact, this is what Kelly wrote. If you could put that next one on, she said, But McCarthy's seeming shift comes two weeks after a group of 19 Republicans sent a letter to Biden saying they would no longer support unconditional aid to Ukraine and that future packages would have to come with a clear strategy for ending the war. doesn't say winning, ending the war. And this is not going to surprise you, Dr. Paul. Uh, these, these, these 19 were led by three senators, Senator Paul, Senator Lee, and Senator J.D. Vance, who we put on mm-hmm. yesterday. They led the pack. A lot of Republicans in the House signed on. You say 19, that's not really much. That's a good start. That's a heck of a good start, especially when that margins in the House are very thin and very narrow. That 19 is important, and it shows the thinking. A shift in thinking of what I would say are the new line of Republicans. And we have some polling info that I'll show later that, it, that you know, plays yeah. it out.
0: You know, I think the coalition is growing because there was another foreign policy vote just recently, and it was like... Fifty uh, Republicans and fifty Democrats. Yeah, 50, yeah we talked about that up. yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like put that, and that to me was very encouraging. <laughs> like I said, it used to be three here and three there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, no, this, uh, and even even the fact that uh, that the Speaker, when he was campaigning for his job, had to respond yeah. to a sentiment. I mean, there there is a sentiment now out there that is taking a different 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 position. That's yeah, good.
1: Yeah. Well, here is that poll, and Kelly linked to it in her piece. This is a Brookings-Ipsos poll that just came out a couple of days ago, if you can put that next one up. We love polls around here. At least I do. Maybe I'm just simple-minded, but I like looking at pictures. Americans show signs of impatience with Ukraine war. That came out just a couple of days ago on Friday, a new poll that Brookings and Ipsos did, The results are pretty, not surprising, but they're pretty obvious. Let's put up this next one. I just took a couple of questions out from this. Which of the following should be the primary U.S. objective in Ukraine? And they asked Republicans, Democrats, and everyone together. Okay, so what is the primary objective? Help Ukrainians liberate all the territories occupied by Russia. Only 12% of Republicans believe that should be our objective. And, even more shockingly, in a way, only 23% of Democrats believe that. Now, help Ukraine return to the status quo that preceded the Russian invasion? Only 20% of Republicans and only 26% of Democrats agree with that. Prevent Russian expansionism? Only 16% of Republicans and 18% of Democrats. Weaken or defeat Russia? You go down to 9% and 10% respectively, Republicans, Democrats, a tiny, minuscule number of people. And Brookings, let's not forget, is a very pro-war think tank. So they are probably sweating when they're looking at these numbers, but you can see an absolute abandonment of support for this Ukraine adventure. And let's do the next one. I have just two more, Dr. Paul, if you don't mind. How How do you feel about the current level of U.S. military expenditure in support of Ukraine? It's too much. Republicans, 50%. (laughs) Democrats are only 13%. But you might say it's never too much, no matter what, and it's too little—only 8% of Republicans. So if McCarthy is looking at this poll, which I would recommend he does, he would know that 50% say way too much is being spent on Ukraine, and only 8% says please spend more, please give a blank check, and about the right level you only have 20% of Republicans and half, around half of Democrats saying that we're spending the right. So overall, Republicans are way sick. Republican voters are way sick of what's happening. And let's look at the shift over time, Dr. Paul, because this is also dramatic. If you put on this last one, it is how much of a cost are you prepared to see the U.S. pay in helping Ukraine? High energy prices? Well, Democrats back in last October, 80% sure. Sure, we'll pay the gas prices. <laughs> Boom, it's down to 65%. Republicans from 48 percent in October. I'm willing to pay high energy prices. Boom, down to 34 percent. More inflation. Republicans went from 44 to 34 and Democrats more dramatically from 74 only to 60. And when you talk about the loss of lives of troops, that's way, 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 way down and decreasing. So the trends are all toward America being sick of Ukraine.
0: That's the good news, the trend yeah. is right, because in a way, I'm disappointed. Why aren't they like 10%, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just 10%? But anyway, that that is, that is good. And I think this is, uh, what you're reciting here is, is a reflection of the attitude of the people. And I've always argued that you, you can't quite get away with doing anything, uh, especially when you're trying to cut, cut back on government, unless the people understand it, or they'll only cling to, uh, you know their their desires and, and their handouts and uh, but right now I, I guess this is also a reflection of, uh, of a practical matter that maybe they think the government might run out of <laughs> out of uh, their ability to keep passing this out. You know, just those stun- those numbers coming out for Medicare and Medicaid, yeah, yeah. You know, the trillions of dollars. People people well, they they can't deal with that because you can't even visualize a trillion dollars. So, well, my check will be there next next month, and uh, and they're they're not going to you know they're trying to you know get that budget. Uh, deal done, because they say on June 1st now, you know, there, there's going to be, uh, you know, a default, which is not tr- not true, mm-hmm. because it never happened before, besides the default is going on, <laughs> you know, if their prices are going up to live, uh, the default is there, because they're taking away the value of the money. Yeah.
1: Well, let's move on, you know, the old guard may be slipping, but they're not gone, and this <laughs> is our next story from our friends at Anti-War and Dave Camp, tell us exactly what's going on. And this smacks of desperation if we can put, thank you. Um, lawmakers introduced a bill to make law authorizing Iran sanctions permanent. Essentially what it is, it's, it's a way to remove the sunset, which means that the House doesn't have to re-vote every year on the 1996 Iran Sanctions Act. Key word being 1996, because it's a few years since then. What has it achieved? Zero, nothing. But they want to make it permanent. Um, they want to call it the Solidifying Iran Sanction Act. Essentially, that just drives uh, Iran into the trading arms of Russia and China, and uh, increasingly now Saudi Arabia. Because you know this great rapprochement between Iran and Saudi Arabia, we are basically just lighting a fire to all of our potential markets in the Middle East.
0: See, this uh, this was passed under Clinton. Yeah, and. Uh, but the one thing is that they had to throw a bone to a few in there that said, hey, "This is an open-ended. Oh, we won't make it open-ended. We'll have a sunset clause." Yeah. And then they always just renew it. And this is coming up for renewal, and uh, and now there's some resistance. Uh, but the, the the opposition, like you say, the establishment hasn't given up yet. So uh, they they want to repeal that that yeah. provision of a, of a, a sunset provision. But uh, I wanted to uh, mention Janet Yellen.
1: Yeah, yeah, she's has, involved in it. Yeah,
0: has, has an interesting thing, and, and and from this article it says the introduction of the legislation comes after. Uh, Treasury Secretary Jan- Janet Reina- Yellen, <laughs> Reino, We don't want to talk it's about
1: a different her. one. Yeah, uh, Janet
0: Yellen acknowledged that the U.S. sanctions on Iran have a caused a real economic crisis, but haven't changed the behavior of the government. Meaning the sanctions are doing little but hurting. Here she's been chairman of the Fed. Now she's the secretary of the Treasury. Yeah. She should have tremendous clout, but what are they g- going to do with her? Just ignore her, yeah, yeah. because uh, she's she's slipping it up there. That maybe maybe this is not. I don't know where she's coming from. That maybe. In, in her younger age or something, maybe she uh, came across some from, uh, in- interesting things on the market. <laughs> yeah, maybe,
1: maybe she, yeah. But, you know, just, she's saying, hey, it didn't, it's not working, but let's keep doing it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. all, right, all right. Don't stop. All right, Ms. Yellen. <clears throat> well, let's do a, one, a final one on this one, and this is from the article, because I think this is indicative of what the rest of the world is just tired of. Um, and Michael McCall, who, as we both say, is, 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 not, a, is not an unpleasant person, and he's misidentified here as being from California. He's from Texas. But um, the bill was introduced by Michael Steele, Republican from California, and co sponsors include the chairman of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Michael McCall from Texas. Uh, of course, a mega hawk. Um, he likes war almost as much as Lindsey Graham. But here's what McCall said that I, I, I put this up because I think this is indicative of what the rest of the world is sick of. He says, this bill takes the long overdue step of striking the arbitrary sunset from the law so that sanctions will only be lifted if Iran stops its threatening behavior. uh, First of all, what is it threatening? Is Iran building a base in Mexico? Is it uh, cut some submarines off our coast? It's not threatening to the United States whatsoever. But this whole idea of the U.S. wagging its finger, you better behave better. You better behave better. To sovereign nations. Oh,
0: oh you, this one applied us. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. It won't it's not going to us. apply to us. <laughs> we're not allowed to threaten anybody. <laughs> <No>. Threaten <laughs> behavior,
0: and uh, yeah, we're the we're the lecturers, and we are the ones who taught the real professionals how to install, you know, put on sanctions and threats backed up by bombs yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and the military-industrial complex
1: knows. Yeah. Well, before we, yeah, before we move to our last story, which is a real humdinger, I have to say I do want to say I'm glad to have heard that our good friends at 4 have decided to sponsor the show for May, and we do appreciate their sponsorship. It allows us to continue doing the show, and they wanted us to let you know that there's a new report out. The government is warning of a known safety threat that poisons Americans hundreds of Americans, thousands of Americans each year and even worse. And this is a terrible story. Craig didn't know his wife and kids were going to die that night. He tried to do the right thing during Hurricane Ida. He bought a gas generator and fired it up. But during the night, deadly carbon monoxide seeped out of the gas generator and into Craig's home. It poisoned Craig's wife and two children in their sleep, fire officials said. The sad part is Craig isn't alone. It's even worse. Craig's tragedy didn't have to happen at all. Thanks to a new generation of portable, safe, silent, and 100% fume-free generators, they are now available to all Americans, even those who think they might not be able to afford it. 4Patriots.com has the Patriot Power Generator, and you're looking at it on your screen right now. It's a solar generator that doesn't use gas, so it doesn't have fumes. And instead of being loud, it's quiet as a laptop. It's lightweight, you can take it with you, you can even use it outside. It's powerful enough for your phones, your medical devices, or even your fridge. And we have a picture of the fridge up there. Uh, and right now you can go to fourpatriots.com, the number 4Patriots.com, and use the code Ron to get 10% off your first purchase on anything in the store. Get a generator, get some food, get anything you want over at 4Patriots.com. We will put a link in there, but use the code again, Ron, to get 10% off that order. And of course free shipping on all orders, 97 and above. I will add that link when we're done. Dr. Paul, let's talk about the Navy. <laughs> um, it looks like the Navy is the Bud Light of military services, if we can put this next clip up. I saw this on the Daily Caller, and even though it was late, I just had to send it over to you because I don't know what's going on, Dr. Paul. It feels like this is a w- this, I don't recognize the world whatsoever anymore. And in fact, I, I have to make a confession online. I even once was very close to joining the Navy, the Naval Reserves, a long time ago. The US Navy used drag queen influencer to attract a wide range of new troops as recruitment plummets. <laughs> Gee, I wonder why. So, this guy, whatever, however they identify, this is an active duty sailor. This guy's on a submarine wherever he is. He likes to dress up as a woman and put on a drag show, and the Navy said, you know what, that's a neat idea. That's going to attract a lot of young, patriotic Americans to join the Navy.
0: You know, the, the person that did the ad for Bud Light, if she were, you know, more astute and up to speed, this problem started before Bud Light thing, <laughs> and, you know, and, and they should have questioned it, because this is just not sudden that the recruiting is down. The recruiting is down yeah. because of the nonsense going on in the military. So what do they do? They want to boost it up more. So so they're sort of like treating inflation with inflation. So uh, the drag queen episode, you you know, uh, gets less people interested in being in the navy and or the marines or whatever. And now they um, they're, they're going to see it worse. I don't think. Do you think this whole story is going to have people say, well, you know? Jobs might get hard to take I guess I better join. Who happens to dis disavow the mm-hmm. nonsense that go on 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 in the morality that is associated with all this drag drag queen stuff.
1: And I have some some good friends that are in the Navy and they're patriotic Americans and there are a lot of good people in there. They're going to be astonished and, and disgusted by this. I have to. We have to. We should clarify though. We don't care what this guy does in his spare time. We're not criticizing what he chooses to do. That's his business. It's not our business. But we have to look at from the objective stance of why do we have a Navy? What should they be doing? And if they need to recruit people, is this the best way to do it? I think some boomer went back to the seventies and watched that in the Navy video from that one group. And they thought, you know, this might be a nice idea (laughs) to do something like this, the village people. And I just don't know. I I think, I don't think it's gonna work.
0: Well, hopefully this story uh, will wake up a couple people here and there and uh, put it all together because it looks like government management, whether it's even for the military, with probably some good intentions for by some of them. They're defending civil liberties, but I think they're a little bit confused about what civil liberty is all about. They believe that you protect civil liberties by taking away the liberty from the majority of the people, yeah. you know, because 1% want certain things and they say, well, the 98 have to be prohibited from doing anything at all. So it's, uh, it's all a consequence of, Uh, uh, an authoritarian government trying to sort all this out even with the good intention they want to do this and make things all fair and hunky-dory it just doesn't work freedom is a much better choice (laughs) yeah and the numbers are
1: there let's do it let's skip ahead to the one where it says yeoman second class um uh, i think it's a two ahead skip those next two I mean, I'm old enough that I remember watching M.A.S.H. where you could dress up as a woman and get out of the military. (laughs) Now it looks like that may be a ticket into the military. Yeoman second class Joshua Kelly, whose stage name is Harvey (coughs) Daniels, announced that the Navy invited him to become the first Navy digital ambassador. And that was back in last November. So he is a digital ambassador to make the Navy more appealing to Americans. I don't think it's working. If you can put the next one on, I don't know. Someone's missed the boat here that the Navy is seeking to boost its size to 347 officers and enlisted sailors in 2024, up from the current 341, according to the Navy Times. While the service squeaked by its recruiting targets for fiscal year 2022, it did so by delving deep into the delayed entry pool, a program that allows people to accept contracts but remain on hold before shipping out to boot camp, according to the press release. Now, this is the part that I highlighted. The Navy is projected to fall 16% or 6,000 recruits short of its fiscal year 2023 goal for enlisted sailors. So they are in the dumps. They can't recruit anyone. They're going to fall consistently below their goal. Yet their idea to how to fix this problem, let's just say it this way, Dr. Paul. It's a little different than the idea that you and I would use to get people to go into the Navy.
0: Well, the next thing will come will be to really boost uh, the enlistment bonuses.
1: Yeah, 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 the money is, yeah. Yeah,
0: we'll just, we'll just give them more money. And, and, and the re-enlistment, you know, before when we had problems not as serious as they are now, it was just don't don't leave yet we have you and we'll just give you a, bi- a bigger reenlistment bonus and that's what they'll do and it's uh, it's a, it's all paper I think yeah. they, they they haven't run out of the paper besides they can use a computer yeah. to give them their electronic check but no I think this is a sad situation was happening there and uh, you know nobody's against the good national defense but uh, this cannot contribute to to uh, at least my idea of a good national defense would be much smaller uh and uh, i don't call it real defense i call it militarism so having and now the republicans and others are starting to say you know going into uh ukraine spending a lot of money and selling weapons and helping the military industrial complex how's that helping our national security and then they introduce these hiring procedures and the image of the military uh, it doesn't look good. And uh, yet uh, the people who are annoyed by it, I think they really outnumber this crowd that does this. And uh, it, it just takes a while for people to get uh, activated enough to, to resi- resi- resist it. The resistance here is going to people don't want to join. Yeah. I mean, that's the uh, personal resistance that yeah. we'll see.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to close out, Dr. Paul, if you're ready, it, just to remind our viewers if we can put on that final clip again of our june 3rd houston conference it's a nice time to come out it's going to be at a beautiful hotel and as i mentioned earlier our friend jordan Schachtel will be one of the speakers uh, he writes the post the dossier um, he's a great speaker he is he was terrific during COVID. he really helped us through that mess with all of his great reporting but he's also very good on uh foreign policy restraint on government. In fact, you can go to, I think he gave a recent speech at Hillsdale College that you might wanna check out if you're wondering whether you wanna see Jordan speak and meet him in person. Uh, But there'll be a couple of other great speakers. Dr. Paul, I heard you are gonna be doing some speaking there and everyone loves to hear uh, that. I better start preparing my notes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this this topic is inspired by you on nihilism. So, uh, and I'll be giving a talk and we'll have some other guests coming. So it'll be a fun half day conference gonna have a great breakfast buffet in the morning get all tanked up on coffee and sausages and hear some great speeches and meet some great people so i will add a link here
0: uh to how you can get your tickets or just find out more about the event you know we we talk about liberty in in segments you know economic liberty personal liberty foreign policy that would protect our liberty and uh When I think of these and I need to discuss them or write something about it, I think, how do I pull it all together? And I still like the word voluntarism, you know, because uh, if you have socially, if two sides have to, you know, come together voluntarily and economically, that's what it's all about. Uh, but this whole idea that you have to assume the government going to regulate prices and conditions and everything else uh, is not voluntarism. It is authoritarianism coming from a co- bunch of bureaucrats and, and the uh, special interests. And that is the big problem. So we will be there at the con- conference. I'm looking forward to this and I will probably talk about voluntarism as well. Please return to the Liberty Report soon.